Welcome to The Lively Show. Let's explore the beauty of being alive. Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's show. Today is a really special moment. It's not actually aligning to the actual day of this anniversary itself, but it is within a window of opportunity, I would say, to be sharing about the 10-year anniversary, the decade anniversary of The Lively Show. And I'm really excited to go into the format of this episode in a second with you and where I got the inspiration. But before I do share about that, I also want to share that I have done a call out for ways that I can support you in the community. And what you all have asked for are two upcoming classes. So that is what we are working on for you guys. Number one is Aligned Business. This is for small business owners that are wanting to allow their inner voice to run their companies as close to 100% as possible and letting their minds, instead of being the CEO, be more of the secretary and the implementer, the COO to the CEO being your intuition or inner voice. If this sounds like a fit for you, this is something that a lot of people were asking for. I'm very excited. And as Flo would have it, whenever you guys are asking for classes now, my intuition is putting me through the ringer. So I have been living this myself in the weeks and months leading up to this. And one of the insights I've just gotten in terms of these actual classes, Aligned Business and the next one I'm going to share, Expanding Alignment, they may be, according to my inner voice, it says that it might be better for you guys taking the class to actually start it in March. So I was planning in my mind to launch it in mid or late February, but my intuition is telling me that for those that are going to be feeling aligned to taking these classes, that starting in March might be the more aligned time for you all, which is so wild. I've never thought to create a class based on my intuition saying, no, the people that are gonna wanna join are gonna wanna join at this time, so do it then. (laughs) But that's the case. So I am literally following along. So I hope that those are interested in March um, might be joining us then. It'll be six weeks long for the Aligned Business course, small group coaching, tons of hot seating time. I'm really excited. I've got some great feedback and um, workshopping that I'm going to be doing with those that are working on this to hand over their business keys to their inner voice for CEO level support and guidance and all those kind of things. So if you're looking for support in just a support group of people that are also doing the same and having the courage to release control from their mind into their inner voice and live that full time with their full or part-time careers, whatever the case might be, by all means, feel free to join us. You can go over to bellalively.com slash aligned business for that. And the other class, which I think will have a really broad appeal and many people are asking for this, is expanding alignment, which is going to be a very fun four-week class kind of workshopping and implementing the practice of expanding your alignment practice, whatever that looks like right now, expanding that and elevating that to the next level for yourself, whatever that looks like. So I'm so excited. That's going to be a very fun one. And I love you guys asking for that one because again, my intuition has been leading me into my own expanding alignment so that I have a lot to share and a lot of information and experience personally to add to the equation. So go over to bellalively.com slash expanding alignment if that sounds fun to you. Okay, now let's get into this episode. This episode is actually inspired by Trini Woodall of Trini London. I love following her. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you might know that in the summer or I guess last year in Australia, which was summer down there. I was just following all of her videos and loving her content so much on the internet, basically, for the most part. And one of the things that she just did was a 
just a video on YouTube where she shared 20 outfit photos and just talked over the outfit photos and explained the stories behind those outfits so that she picked from her life, why they were important to her and a little bit of backstory, which you would never know if you hadn't you know, gotten this inside look from her personal photos and her personal memories about these images. So that was really fun and enjoyable to watch. And I watched it last night and now I feel inspired. It kind of gave me a way to address the 10 year anniversary of The Lively Show. I have had some people suggest ways to go through The Lively Show content in the last 10 years. We have over 400, almost 450 episodes in the 10 year period. And that is with a lot of breaks in the process as well as I went deep into myself and needed some time to go within. When I think about who I was when I started versus who I am now, it's, I don't even have the same name now. <laughs> so much has changed. I started off doing this work in, I think, Austin, Texas, married with a small picket fence, a small little cute house, two dogs, and just living my best little life in uh, a very Midwest American way. And then actually was living in Austin, Texas, though, and then moved with my husband to Ann Arbor, Michigan, then happily got uncoupled and then kind of flowed into the selling of the house and then traveling the world. So there's been a lot of transformation in my actual physical world life in the last 10 years. And also the show has reflected that, of course. So I wanted to go through the 10 moments that meant something to me 10 being the 10 years, 10 moments being the top 10 moments that mean personally something to me. And I know how much The Lively Show means to so many people in the community. So I'd love to hear what your favorite moments of the show were, or if there's any life-changing elements that just really spoke to you. I'd love to hear what those moments might be. You can go over to A Lively World and share there. We'll have a little feed for you to put your memories if you want to share them there. And also on Instagram, by all means, please send me a DM and I'd love to see and share your moments that matter to you. I got so many messages over the decade about how many people changed their lives through listening to the guests and the episodes that were on the show. And it was just always so satisfying to know that the intention that I set oh so long ago to help people find a way to live an easier, better life that was more enjoyable than the work hard, play hard way that I was being given in business school when I was younger and miserable at the time uh, has succeeded. We have really done that in this show. Even if you just think about the class we're going to do, expanding alignment. I mean, obviously, we have moved forward in so many dimensions and directions and found such better, more effective ways and joyful ways, most importantly, to live life in so many meaningful dimensions. So anyways, let's get into these 10 moments. These are my personal moments and personal things that you probably wouldn't even know having listened to the show. You might not even know why these are the backstories and the little special things that just personally mean a lot to me. So if you're curious from a podcast host's perspective, these are the episodes when I think back, I think these are the ones that made a lasting impact. And really when I think about the show and this last decade and what it's done, um, and how things are remembered. These are the things that are most near and dear to my own personal heart. So I'm going to kick off with episode 100, which was with Elizabeth Gilbert. What a goal, life goal, actually, to have Elizabeth Gilbert on the show. I had a series of amazing, incredible, life-changing, thought-leading guests on the show for a long period. I know many people loved that era of the show so, so, so much. I did as well at that time. I had such a blast getting to do the interviews and have the conversations in 
really important ways that I thought would help the community as they were listening to these guests answer the questions. So number one of my memories is episode 100 with Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love, as you might know her most famously. I think we did her other book that she had written about creativity. This is so funny because the point I remember about this episode wasn't the book that she had written that I was interviewing her for. The reason I remember this episode was that because of Eat, Pray, Love, I was inspired to find my own inner voice. So even though we didn't interview about Eat, Pray, Love itself, it was about a more recent book that she had actually written. The thing about Eat, Pray, Love is there is one sentence that when I was in my mid-20s, I was rereading Eat, Pray, Love because I was going through a breakup at the time with my college boyfriend in my mid-20s. And I was wanting to you know, read a book about someone else who went through a breakup, which was Liz's book. And as I was going into it, there was a sentence as I reread it that said, when I write down questions, I get peaceful answers. As I was going through my own breakup, I needed some peaceful answers. So I wrote down the questions and lo and behold, I got peaceful answers. That single sentence was read by millions and millions of people around the world. But did you know that, you know, not many people maybe had done that or definitely didn't do it to the depth and to the breadth and to the consistency that I ended up doing it, which ended up becoming the birthing of me learning where my inner voice was and how to find it on the physical level in this time space reality in this lifetime. I think now that I've gone to my inner voice, it was not a surprise that I happened to do that. This might've been the little piece and nugget that inspired me in this time and space as a Jessica Lively um, person, but really my inner voice has done this many lifetimes before as well, but I didn't know that in the human form. I didn't even know how to talk to my inner voice yet. So the Eat, Pray, Love was where I actually got inspired to do into myself and find out there were peaceful answers to be found. Um, but the thing about that episode isn't the eat, pray, love thing. That's just an aside. But what that's why Elizabeth was so meaningful to me personally. Um, but the thing that I remember is after the episode was done, after we recorded, Liz said, you're one to watch. And that compliment, I've gotten a lot of compliments over the years, but that compliment probably means one of the most meaningful things to come from somebody that obviously impacted my life so much and that I respected so much. So to hear that she said I was one to watch just meant a lot to me at the time. And it's still something that's really special to remember that in this life it happened. So it wasn't recorded, but it was something that she said to me and I never forgot it. And I just love that I got to have her on the show. That was so special. Next up on the episode meaningful list is episode 108. This is The Conscious Uncoupling with Catherine Woodward Thomas. Catherine Woodward Thomas was the author of the book Conscious Uncoupling, which I think was made famous by Gwyneth Paltrow and her husband when they went through their divorce. They talked about conscious uncoupling. At the time, I think it was kind of tossed around as a positive and sometimes as a joking phrase by different people because of their love or dislike for Gwyneth Paltrow and how she was approaching it. But either way, the book Conscious Uncoupling was written by Catherine Woodward Thomas and was an incredible book. So if anyone's going through a breakup, I highly recommend the book. Even now, it's a great book to read if you're curious about some really interesting insights into how to uncouple in a really positive way. I actually applied a lot of what she shared as I was going through my conscious uncoupling. And the reason the episode was so important to me was because it was the first time I was sharing on the show with everyone at episode 108. So I'd been doing this for quite a while now. 
that Mr. Lively, my previous husband and I, were going to divorce and separate. And this is how I shared it was through this episode. I didn't have Mr. Lively on the show because he didn't want to be interviewed about that on the show. So he was always super supportive to my work in the blogging years. The five, by the way, I don't know if you guys know this, but I blogged for five years before I started the podcast. So that was definitely also part of the mix as well. But he was always so supportive. He was a programmer by trade. So he was always designing my websites and helping me get all this stuff going. I'm so thankful that he was in my life as I was so desiring to get everything that I ended up doing off the ground. And I even though I do like the Conscious Acoupling episode, and I know that it was pivotal for the, the community to know that I was going through that transition, and Catherine was wonderful, and I really recommend the book, the backstory about that episode is that Mr. Lively, though he didn't want to be on the show, did agree to doing a blog post. And I love that he wanted to do a blog post. He just felt like it was a little less, I was like, intense, you know, just to, to type something out rather than to speak on the show about it. And I just thought, you know, he was up for it. So I was like, thank you, thank you. And can you let them know that it's cool that I'm keeping the name Lively? So Lively, if you may not know, uh, was my married name. So Mr. Lively was his last name. His last name was Lively. I remember when I was younger and blogging and we were dating, I used to call him Mr. Lively. I always did, but he always loved that as but his little nickname for the show and community in the blogging years too. And someone was so upset when they found out we got married because she's like, I just thought that was a nickname. I thought he was like, you know, Mr. Happy or something. And she found out, oh my gosh, she actually changed her name to Jess Lively. Oh, like she was actually sad. It was cute. But anyways, Mr. Lively was his last name. And when we were going through divorce, I definitely wanted to keep the name Lively. My maiden name, if you're curious, was Constable. Now, the backstory to the word Constable is that that's not even my family's real last name. My family is my it's from my dad's side. And my dad's mother was Irish and his dad was Italian. 100% Italian, 100% Irish. How do we get the name Constable as the last name of an Italian family? Apparently, the nuns changed the name to something easier to say. So I I always knew Constable had literally zero bearing on our actual family history. And so that always kind of bothered me more than my brothers who kept obviously the name Constable and still have it. I never liked it because I was like, we're not English. Like this is the wrong culture and background. This isn't even the real name. So because Constable never had any meaning to me and I never even liked it in the first place, even if it was that we were English, lively, I could not have picked a better last name. Um, I would never in a million years at that point in my life even think to change my name and pick something really cool, I would have just gone with the traditional way of doing things, which is just kind of inheriting your names. And when I got that Mary name, I loved it. And when we got divorced, I was like, oh, I don't want to lose Lively. That's so special. So I said to Mr. Lively, can you please put something in your post that shows the community you're okay with me keeping the name, just in case anyone's curious about that, which he was totally fine with. And I remember he went into our guest room and he wrote the post on my computer and he just spent, I don't even know, like 30, 40 minutes writing it. It was a very short post. I don't think it's even, I don't know if I could even find it now, but it was really sweet and cute. And he just wrote about how much we grew and changed and evolved together. And it was, it was really special. We had a really beautiful conclusion of our relationship. We did use, by the way, 
away Catherine Woodward Thomas's suggestion to do a completion ceremony, which I swear was even more poignant and meaningful to me in our relationship than the wedding itself. So we eloped to Paris, for those that read the blog back then would remember. Um, but then when we did this conscious uncoupling and we did the completion ceremony on the sofa in sweatshirts and crying and just loving each other and thanking each other and apologizing for anything that, you know, maybe, maybe did that was stressing the other person out, which was minor. We didn't really have any beefs with each other, but we were just like had this beautiful concluding ceremony of the vows that we made and freed each other to date other people. We were giving each other dating advice and we had a really smooth, smooth uh, uncoupling. But I love when he came out of the room writing this post for the blog because what he wrote about the name was I couldn't have said it any better it makes me cry if whenever I think about it he just said P.S. I'm glad she's keeping the name lively she's lived it every day of her life and he only spent like 30 to 40 minutes to write this post and I, it still brings tears to my eyes to think how beautifully I almost feel like that's kind of like inner voicey to say so succinct so clear so poignant and so special and so beautifully expressed I just it's like etched in my memory that that he gave me that name and that gave me the blessing to to keep it. And I love it because now it's really not, <laughs> I don't feel tied to his family in any way whatsoever. It feels like it's really become a piece of me from my past as a gift to move forward. So oh, that, is a, that is a special one. Um, but again, something that you might not have known from listening as a listener to the show. Um, next up, I could not find for the life of me the episode number for this one, but it's somewhere in the archives, is Byron Katie. Byron Katie was an amazing guest. She's one of the two enlightened people that I've had on the show, Byron Katie and Jacob Lieberman. Actually, Jacob Lieberman, I should also put, I'll put them as like tandem. Um, yes, I think I had Jacob on at least once, possibly twice. And I had Byron Katie on and both of them, when I had them on the show and I interviewed them, I was so excited because at this point I was so excited to go down the path of realization, explore what that looked like and all those good things. And I remember after both interviewing Byron and Jacob that my brain was like in another dimension after interviewing them. I don't know if it comes across in the interviews themselves that I just kind of being in their consciousness and in their, I guess, auditory presence just kind of catapulted me into another dimension. And I felt super loopy after having those episode recordings. So anyways, I just always remember that. But I also was so honored to be able to have these very wise, very aware people on the show. And especially at a time when I was getting really excited to go down that path myself. So those are special. Then I have, oh, this one's fun. These, This one might've been earlier than the Byron and Jacob years, um, because this is episode 124 next up with Brene Brown. Brene Brown. Remember Brene? The, what is it? Um, about shame researching. And I forget her amazing and epic TED Talk titles that everybody was, you know, if you hadn't watched that, it's almost like everyone in the world almost had watched those back in the time that I had Brene on the show. And I was so honored and excited to have her on the heels, basically, of Liz Gilbert, right? Because episode 100 was Liz. Then episode 124 was Brene. I was so thrilled to have her on the show that I actually, before doing the interview, got dressed up and put on high heels for the interview. 
I it's hilarious because now I wear high heels when I go out much more often than I ever did when I was back in this era of my life. But I was just so excited to have the guest on the show. And I was in I was audio only. I never did videos with my guests. So they never even saw me. She had no idea. And also, even if she did, why am I wearing high heels? It's on my feet. But I just wanted to feel ready, prepared, dressed for work if you could think about it that way. And that is what I did. I didn't put on heels, I don't think, for anyone else. Now I sit cross-legged on my bed for all the interviews or even just doing solo shows. But that day, I remember I put on my high heels for Brene Brown. (laughs) So next up, I have episode 131 with Gary Vaynerchuk. Okay, Gary Vaynerchuk's an amazing human. Many people may know. You might even be surprised that I had Gary on the show. At the time, many people thought, oh my gosh, what would I have in common with Gary? But I had everything in the world in common with Gary. Gary's world is, and his work, I, don't, I haven't followed him in a few years, so I don't know his messaging now, but back then he was all about the hustle and everybody would have thought that I would have totally clashed with Gary. But what I found about Gary that was totally in alignment was that he loved working, so he felt happy while he was working and hustling so hard. And yes, you had to take Gary with a like a grain of context salt. If you didn't listen to Gary's message with the context of who he's talking to, then you definitely can get you know, offended, irritated, uninterested, (laughs) depending on your point of view. But I always was able to take what he said in the context of who he was speaking to and in the context to joyful working hard because of the joy of it, not because of the stress. He wasn't asking people to hate their lives. He was asking them to love their lives and be passionate about the things that they did and pour their energy and heart and soul into them. So it never really was anything that I ever found personally, even though many people might have guessed that I would have not aligned to Gary. I always just thought, you know, he's not saying to do this if you hate your job or you hate your business. He's saying to do something that you love and then pour yourself into it for alignment, essentially. Now, the reason I have him on the list is, again, one of these special little things for myself that you might realize, but probably don't even know if you have listened to the episode. So with all of these very famous guests, they have been interviewed, and especially Gary Vaynerchuk, because he was so prolific with his work ethic. He was interviewed probably the most of any guest I've ever had on the show. And I was really, really proud of selecting the guests that I had on the show for the gift I thought they would have to share with you guys. I only had guests. I could have had other famous people as well that I didn't have on the show because I didn't, in researching them, find something that they could share where I thought it would add value to your life. So if I didn't think I could find something to add value to your life through these people and some that I could offer questions and a line of, of conversation that would lead them to improve your life in some way that might help you, I didn't have them on the show. So there were famous people that I didn't ask to be on the show because I honestly just didn't think they'd have something life-changing to offer you. So when it came to Gary and all of his work, I was trying to find what about Gary no no one has encountered yet? What has he never been asked? Or what has somebody of all the millions of people or thousands at least of people that have asked him questions, what have they never asked or what what's different? And it wasn't actually a question that I can remember so much that I 
got out of him. But I will tell you that I was researching and researching, listening to so many interviews he'd done to learn as much about him as possible. I did this with all the super famous guests because it just helped me ask questions and further conversations and have dialogues that nobody else had had before. And I'd listen to what they say to the other person. And then I would think to myself, how could I go like 10 levels deeper than that question or what that answer gave to that interview? And I remember I'd listened to Gary on so many occasions, even just as a fan and a listener earlier than having him on the show. And I knew this one phrasing that he always used to tell in his stories. I'd heard it many times in different interviews. He'd always say he got C's and D's in all of his classes and E's. He like failed everything but gym. And he would just talk about how bad he was at school and how good he was at working and in entrepreneurism. However, in one specific interview, while I was doing the research, I remember he added one extra detail to that type of story that he usually didn't. He said, I got the C's and D's and E's and everything except for Jim. And he got either a B or a C in history. So basically he added one extra subject that he did moderately, he did better than anything else, which is either gym or history. And that one comment, I thought, huh, I wonder why he got the B or the C, whatever it was, slightly higher grades than usual in history. Why would history be something he'd be good at if he was so bad and so famous at saying how bad he was? And I realized, I was like, actually. And so in the episode, if you go back and listen, I, at some point in the second half of the interview, say, hey, Gary, so I heard you said that you got this B or C in history. And I just was wondering, is it because of Gary's famous for pattern recognition and predicting into the future of technology the future of entrepreneurism, the future of things. I said, is the reason you got the B in history because you found the pattern recognition that the history repeats the past the way the future repeats? So you just basically looked at how cultures moved and shifted and evolved. And now you do the same, but you're doing it into the future rather than looking at the past. And he says in the interview, he goes, you're, he goes, I wish you could see me on the video right now because I am smiling ear to ear. Of all the people that have ever heard or ever talked to me, no one has ever figured that out and you're right and so again this is just those personal little moments that mean so much personally to me just just meant so much to hear that compliment from someone that I had learned so much from and appreciated so much. I actually ended up meeting Gary Vaynerchuk at a gala years later um, for Pencils of Promise. We were both um, donating a lot of money to that nonprofit to help build schools in Ghana, Guatemala, and Laos. And it was really fun to be able to get a photo with him, meet him, and give him a hug in person. But yeah, that B in history comment, the fact that he said he was smiling ear to ear and that no one ever figured it out really just is one of those things, kind of like Liz Gilbert, where I just feel really happy that that moment happened in my life. Okay, so now shifting a little bit from that earlier era of having those big guests on the show, episode 186 was the Things I'm Afraid to Tell You episode. Okay, so Things I'm Afraid to Tell You, let me give you a backstory to that. Like I mentioned, I was a blogger for five years from 2009 to 2014, and then I started the blog in 14 until now we're in 24. So in the blogging years, I blogged for five years. I blogged five to seven times a week, most of the weeks, and I was obsessed with helping people in any way I could think to type, I would type to help people listening or reading, I guess, at that time, the blog. And one of the things that I did, I was never a very famous blogger. I definitely had a little devoted following of people. I would say a moderate following of people, not you know in the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands, but definitely tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of page views and stuff. 
But I'll say that the thing that did go viral were two things in my blogging years. One was some chevron tape art that I made. I made some canvases and I took um, masking tape or painter's tape and I made a chevron pattern on three different poster or paper boards and then I painted them gold and white. So basically it was a chevron pattern on three pieces of art that I put on my wall and I made them myself. And that went Pinterest viral. But the other thing that actually was more meaningful than the design and decor thing was that this post I wrote, I wrote a post called Things I'm Afraid to Tell You back in, I don't even know, 2011, something like that. I did this post and I just said, these are the things I'm afraid to tell you. Now that ended up going viral. So, so many hundreds of bloggers wrote their own versions of their things that they're afraid to tell you. It became this little movement of sorts. So that was really fun. And that's definitely back in the blog era, but in the podcast era of my life in episode 186, I did an episode called Things I'm Afraid to Tell You. So I used my old blog format and I did it in audio form for the podcast because at that point, I had sold the house, I was traveling the world, and people were asking me questions about how I was saving money and traveling on a budget and how I was making it all work. And they were all asking these kind of scarcity mindsetted travel questions and money questions. And the truth was that I had been listening to Abraham Hicks like it was my job 24 seven, seven days a week, and following what they said to the most extreme degree that I possibly could get my mind to do. And I wasn't needing to worry about a bunch I wasn't needing to worry about time. I wasn't in a place of lack. I was actually having more flow, ease, and abundance than ever before. And I had been scared to say that because at that point in my journey and in a lot of mass consciousness, listening to a channeled entity from a woman named Esther Hicks <laughs> called Abraham, this is back probably in 2016, seemed like a crazy thing to say to people. So the fact that I was going through that was me outing myself to say, look, guys, I don't have to do it in any scarcity mindsetted way. This is actually working for me. And I'm listening to this non-physical group of entities speak through this woman on YouTube and it's working. So that was an episode that meant a lot because I remember I recorded it in London in an Airbnb in the middle of the night while there was like a party going on next door. <laughs> I remember when I did it because I I was just, it was in, I was in bed. I couldn't fall asleep because of the party. And I just had this weighing on my heart so much that I was, you know, feeling like not a fraud. Like I just felt like people didn't understand how I was living and ultimately why I was able to live the way I was living. And so this was me outing the truth about it all. And I said something along the lines in the episode of like, if you guys want me to talk more about this, let me know. <laughs> I understand it's a little bit weird to hear about, but this is true. And everybody, there was an overwhelming outpouring of support to that episode saying, please, 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 please teach us how to do this. So that was a really pivotal era of the show. And it really was when I stepped away from having the big headliner guests on the show too, because it got to a point where you might wonder why I stopped having all the major guests on the show. As I kept going in the journey of basically that ethos of how do we live a better life than the work hard, play hard, hustle mentality I was given in business school? How do we live better and more effectively and joyfully than that? As I kept going from the personal development side to the 
deeper levels of things, personal development only gets you so far and thoughts only get you so far. And once I found especially Abraham and alongside using my own inner voice with my clients and myself, there was this opening up to the deeper dimension of things in my own awareness as it evolved in these years of the show that I realized that the minds of people are limiting them to their actual full potential. They're not expanding them into their full potential like a lot of people trying to master neurology or master their mind or meditations might think. And actually, as I went into the neurology and the mind stuff and the consciousness states and all the Joe Dispenza work, as I did all of that when I was younger, in those years of study and transformation and conferences, et cetera, I realized that this mind that we're so excited to to use to its fullest is more like a Prius than a Ferrari. And I was like, well, this is a crappy car. Like, this is not very effective at this. I want to get where the juice is really more magical and that Abraham you know place from the non-physical or even the inner voice place within ourselves it's also non-physical and non-linear and not tied to this time space reality was just hyper more effective. I always used to say back then it was the difference between Newtonian physics and quantum physics which was also becoming a part of my awareness to understand the connection between the non-physical realm becoming physical. And then once it's physical and it's kind of set into a physical size of the size of an atom or higher, then it kind of slows everything down into Newtonian. And so people thinking and speaking as thought leaders without using their inner voice, without going to the non-physical perspective of themselves or of other entities that are there to be teachers and supporting us in deep and powerful ways. I just didn't want to have them on the show because I just thought they can't help us as much as the inner voice can for the average person person or the channels like Abraham Hicks, for example. So that's why I stepped away from having the guests that were considered thought leaders or TED Talk speakers at the time. And that's where I did a lot of personal one-on-one episodes with you guys too, is because I thought, well, if I don't always have, you know, I can't have like Esther and Abraham on the show all the time. So let me just share as I'm living and exploring all of these topics in a deeper dimension and just hope that like my own personal journey might be relatable to those listening. And so that's kind of the direction that I took the show because I was always married to the point of tears for how can I give you the best and highest content that will hopefully help you the most and the deepest that I could offer at the time. So I know that obviously I could have done more mind people and more thought or stuff that would have helped a certain part of the population that maybe was still at that stage and place in their lives. But I was really geared also to giving at the place I was at in my life. And so I wanted to give you the best and highest I could give you that my consciousness at that time could perceive, whether it was myself or someone else, which I'll get to in a second, who came in and uh, made a little appearance, which I was so happy about. But next up I have on the kind of this type of tangent was episode 188, the Law of Attraction episode. This one was an episode I spontaneously recorded after the outpouring of support and excitement for me to go deeper into the subject of the Law of Attraction and Abraham Hicks stuff and what I've been learning. And it was really fun. I love that this is like at the era of like flow with intention is the class that gets started shortly after this period of time too. And it was really fun because it was I was able to, I think for a lot of people, be someone, as Abraham Hicks says, that's leading and bleeding on the edge <laughs> in the physical form. Someone that has to pay mortgages and has to deal with planes and trains and automobiles and has a physical form because it's wonderful to have the mechanics of the universe like Abraham explain things. So useful to have them talk about the metaphysics at the purest level. But then there has to be 
humans to apply it. And so sometimes you just want to see a human next to you doing and having the courage to do the crazy things that Abraham might say is possible and know that you're not the only one doing it yourself. And so that's kind of the direction that I headed. And I also found ways to break down what they shared and teach what they had to say in ways that felt applicable and effective in my own life, basically, in ways that I thought might help humans take this further. And actually, now that I say this, this ties in. This is one of those really meaningful moments. I don't think I've ever talked about this on the show. Maybe I did. Oh, this is like it's my mind's like, my ego's like, is this like too braggadocious to share? But it is seriously one of the most meaningful memories of my entire life was actually being in the hot seat with Abraham. I don't know if you know, but I was in the hot seat and I cannot find the video audio of me in the hot seat. It used to be up on YouTube. Someone posted it. I never had the audio myself, but when I did, I've done three cruises with Abraham in those earlier years, in the Abraham years. And I did the French Riviera, the Alaskan cruise. And then last year I even did the New Zealand cruise. The only time I always tried to get into the hot seat, but the only time they had me in the hot seat was the very last guest on the Alaskan cruise cruise. And I think that must have been 2019. So I'm in the hot seat and I'm talking with them and I'm sharing and I forget even what I'm talking about. Oh, we're talking about rockets of desire and the dimensions that they go into. And one of the things they say at one point while I'm sitting in the hot seat is they move the microphone away from my face and they say, we'll sit down, you get up and teach. (laughs) And I thought when they said this and they moved the microphone away so that I could stand up and actually start teaching, I was so shocked and confused at what that meant because I'd listened to thousands and thousands of hours of Abraham and I know what they say to people. They have a lot of phrases that they often repeat, like you're a teacher to the core of your being and stuff like that. So I know what they usually say to people when they're giving compliments to people that are more further along in the work. But when they said, I've never ever in thousands of hours of listening heard them say, you know, we'll sit down, you stand up and you do the teaching. Like you can do this. I thought at first, you know, when you're like maybe a kid and someone like an adult thinks if you're acting out and you're being out of line, they'll say, you think it's so easy to be a parent, you be the parent. You know what I mean? That kind of phrasing of like sarcasm because they think if you think you're a know-it-all, they'll be like, well, then if you think it's so easy, you do it. That's what I thought they were doing to me. Like somehow I felt as though I had done something out of order or out of line in the conversation. But as I stood there, sat there in the chair, I didn't even move. I was completely stunned to the point where I thought I was in trouble. But actually what they really meant was they meant it. They actually, it was a compliment. It was the most high compliment I've ever heard them give anyone. And I was just like, oh my goodness. So at first it was funny because my interpretation was I've done something wrong. But actually it was a really beautiful, powerful compliment that I truly look at now as like something that really means a lot to me because obviously they mean a lot to me and they have profoundly changed my life in so many different ways, especially in those years of my life. And I'm forever grateful that they exist and that Esther has allowed them to come through her for so many decades of her life and that the content's allowed to be shared on platforms like YouTube for people to benefit from. 
So yeah, I guess the law of attraction episode kind of ties to that story too. These are just those like things that I cherish the most. Next up, we have episode 285. This episode is the spiral dynamics episode. A lot of people have listened to this episode and it's a really great one to go back to if you haven't heard it and you're interested in learning about spiral dynamics. A lot of the core community of the lively community totally know about spiral dynamics or have heard this episode where I do a summary about it. It's actually a recording from, I think it was C School that I was teaching at the time. I was in Vancouver. I remember I was in an Airbnb, well, a friend's house, a friend of a friend's house, kind of like an Airbnb. And I was staying there and recording this and doing a class actually. And I did a little spontaneous summary about spiral dynamics and the different colors and the consciousness phases of the evolution of consciousness. And it was actually so spontaneous, but also effective at teaching the different levels and colors and what they mean that I just spliced out that part of the audio and put it into the episode, which was great because then I didn't have to be so mental about putting together the air quotes, perfect episode for you. Actually teaching it to the community in the class allowed me to kind of get it out there in a really effective way for them in the video that I was teaching in, but also then to share it on the show. So that episode I think is great. It's something that a lot of people refer back to and talk to me at the time and time again, please talk about spiral like level yellow. Cause I could even, you can see the actual evolution of the colors of spiral dynamics in my consciousness in the 10 years of the show. I started the show in orange with like definitely heavy notes of green. Then I get super green into like the majority of the show. Uh, It starts orange and green. And then the Abraham kind of stuff spirals me into the quantum mechanics, the Joe Dispenza's, the new Bruce Lipton's, the Greg Braden's, all that kind of yellow material quantum mechanics comes up. And then I hit the wall and I talk about in the Spiral Dynamics episode how I felt like I was a burnt yellow, desperately trying mentally to go to turquoise, but realize that turquoise which is where like Eckhart, Byron Katie, Jacob Lieberman were living and perceiving from was something that you couldn't mentally evolve into. Your mind, your mind could want it, but your consciousness is actually where that occurs. And that occurs in your awareness, not your mind. So your mind can want it all day long. But like I like to say, just because you read books on digestion doesn't make you poop faster. <laughs> There's a physical physiological response that occurs that's not mental. You don't actually process your digestion with your mind. You don't think about your mind digesting your food. It just happens through you. And so does realization. And so though I wanted it from my mind, I couldn't make it happen. So there was a heavy period of time where I was in that burnt yellow period. And in that period, I'll actually say I ended up manifesting episode 333. I think there's many, and I don't even know if 333 is the first one, but I end up manifesting the collective channel by Annie Francoeur. And that's my next memory. So uh, I manifested a group of non-physical beings to have on the show, which was consciousness beyond the mind to have on the show. So I brought guests back on the show, but I brought them as a group of non-physical beings channeled by the amazing Annie Francoeur of Canada. So it was so fun to have Annie doing the channeling of the collective. If you're curious, she was doing one of my beginning inner voice sessions with me. And instead of going to her inner voice, she started channeling the collective, which had never happened to me before with any person I'd ever worked with in my inner voice sessions, but all of a sudden it was like talking to Abraham. Instead of Esther's inner voice, I got 
Abraham. So I was like, oh, okay, well, what's your name? Where are you from? Dug into the collective and finding out more. And Annie had never channeled the collective until we did that inner voice session. So it was so special because together we were surprised and delighted to discover the collective and then learn more about them through some one-on-one sessions that we did over time and then we were like let's bring this to the show so the collective made an appearance many times on the show and we actually did the collective collective or coco which many of you guys might have joined you actually can still get the recordings of the coco which are questions that the collective of lively community members asked the collective channels entities by uh, annie francoeur and we did that and that was really fun for a few different years um but having them on the show was me hitting that point where I got to have content and guests that were coming in from beyond their mind. So I got to have guests on the show again, but also in that turquoise level of perception that I was so excited to share about. Okay, next up we have episode 356 with Nahama Washman. Nahama Washman is an inner voice facilitator graduate. She's an inner voice facilitator. She took the training, I forget which round, but she is so special. Well, not only is Nahama special, I also know and work with her husband as well. So it is so fun. I know both of them as a couple, um, but I work with them individually. So I've worked with them separately. And her husband didn't do IVFT, but he's done a handful of one-on-one sessions with me. And he's so special in so many ways. And so is Nahama. So Nahama and Abraham, her husband, have four children. And I had Nahama on in episode 356 because she had an incredible story to share of they have four children, but her fourth child, before having the fourth child, she was in IVFT and she was doing an inner voice session with somebody in the community to talk to the baby as the inner voice of the baby before the baby came earthside, before it was birthed through her. And so she talked to the baby's inner voice and got all this insight and information and then played that interview with the inner voice of the child during the birth of this fourth child and had a painless childbirth. And I assure you, she says the first three births were not painless (laughs) at all, but this fourth one was because she was able to connect on this deeper dimension to the child being born ahead of time and then play that content and and that frequency of their connection through the birthing process. So that was absolutely amazing. And I loved having her on because it also showed me I could have guests here and there on the show as um, still keeping to my new kind of intention, which was to bring you guests that were able to bring you content that was kind of living out their inner voice and humans basically blending with their inner voices and showing how they can live alongside their inner voices in the 3D reality. So that was a really special one. Obviously, I've had many IVFT grads on and I could have linked any of their episodes equally to Nahama's, but the painless childbirth thing is pretty special. (laughs) So I just think of her and I also think the fact that I haven't gotten to work with tons of men over the years. There's definitely been a majority of women or gay or transgender or non-binary in our community more than often men that I've gotten to work with directly one-on-one, but her husband is one of those that I have. And I just, I'm so grateful to be able to have the opportunity to work with anybody from obviously any dimension, but it is special that, that I got to work with both of them separately as a couple in ways that were really meaningful to both of them. Okay. And last but not least, my episode 426, the Beauty of Life series with Danielle. Now this is the follow-up to 
to Danielle and the Beauty of Life series. But in this episode, we talk about the fact, if you guys remember the Beauty of Life series recently and last year was where I took two people from the community that were beginners at their inner voice and I did four or six months together every other week working with them on the show with you guys so that you guys got to hear them learn how to beanbag release, them learn how to live from their inner voice and just take on day-to-day things that were coming up in their lives. And while I did that series, I had hoped to manifest and successfully did the fact that I wanted to give away all my possessions from Australia that I had in a container of storage furniture. You guys might remember this story. And I gave it to Danielle as she moved to Vancouver with nothing. That was great. But in episode 426, if you haven't listened, we talk about how after that all happened, we ended up realizing that she and I had a connected past life that actually had to do with giving her the stuff. And then not only that, there was a painting that got accidentally sent to her house, which was not the intention of either of us to have happened, but that ended up connecting us to the third character in the past life connection that neither of us knew had existed until after the series was done. So that was wild. Talk about the podcast having an impact in my life, far bigger than just podcasting with a microphone per se. Literally, I had no idea that I would end up using the show to manifest the conclusion and integration of a past life that was super meaningful to Danielle's soul, to my soul, and to the third soul that was connected to the painting, which got manifested over to Danielle so that it could be given to the life of the third soul. So we all could have resolution to what sounded like from our connections to our inner voices was a very traumatized and very difficult ending of a past life, got to literally be the beauty of life series in the fact that none of us actually physically permanently died. I mean, those lifetimes certainly died, but the souls of us didn't. They survived, they continued, and they got to have a beautiful conclusion in a beautiful way with these three souls that didn't have the chance or choice to live in a beautiful way back then, got to have a beautiful conclusion now. So there you have it, my friends. Those are the things that mean the most to me. I know, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm just bragging a bunch. I mean, in a way, these are just the things that mean the most to me because they're the things that when I I think back to what made the biggest impact in like, I don't know, encouraging me to go forward, encouraging me to go deeper or being a gift along the way to helping my intention to help your lives be easier, better, and more fulfilling along the way. These are the things that when I look back and I think back to my life whenever, and I have no idea how long the show will continue to go, but I can just say, these are the things from the human level of my mind and my heart that just speak to me as the the little gifts and the little memories that just leave a mark in me that I'm just so grateful that I got to experience all 450-ish episodes that we're at, however many more to come, who knows, whatever le- next chapters or, or spiral dynamics colors, I don't know how many more we can <laughs> stay in the physical body and still experience, but I have to just say thank you so much for listening, whether you've been, this is your first episode or your 450th 10-year episode, whatever it is. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. You have made such an impact in my life and 
I just am so thankful, especially to all the community members who have taken classes or IVFT graduates who are actually doing the work in the world, whether you've done it through the foundation or doing it through squad leading and IVFT, just thank you, thank you, thank you. There's so many faces and so many names. And if you came to the TV version of this five years ago, just thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. And until next time, may something wonderful happen to you today. <laughs>